0: episode i talk with the super talented anastasia elfman uh we talk a good bit about her uh movie and live performance of bloody bridget um that's on tour right now i believe so you definitely want to check out the links i have in the show notes and where you can catch the next showing and all that fun stuff uh definitely really killer you should definitely check it out if it's in your town um we also just go crazy on like different horror movies and uh you know a lot of cool stuff we're watching now and you know some projects she's working on for the future and everything like that. So uh yeah, I hope you really enjoy this episode. I had a great time talking with Anastasia. After you're done with this episode, make sure you check out my fellow horsemen of the podcast Apocalypse, Everything Went Black Podcast into the Necrosphere. The Necromaniacs podcast, Spitball Media, Eyebliss Manifestations And the Soul Knocks Podcast. And um, if you dig what you hear, uh, leave me a rating on Apple, uh, Spotify, whatever you uh, listen to this podcast on. That is uh, greatly appreciated. And I also have uh, some merch at the Harwolf 666 Teespring store. So, uh, t-shirts, mugs, uh, shot glasses, all kinds of stuff on there. So, check that out if you want to help support the podcast. And, And that is also much appreciated. So hopefully you enjoy this episode and thanks so much for listening. I've been noticing uh, you've been like super super busy uh, with Bloody Bridget and also congrats on Bloody Bridget because it looks like you're really killing it and stuff so
1: Oh my gosh, thank you so much. Yes. It, we, well, I think we are. <laughs> it's
2: running I mean, a bunch so. of
1: little festivals, which is so nice. I actually well because this is our first film going through the festival circuit uh together. Um but I mean, are we recording right now? Is it okay if I get into this stuff?
0: Yeah, we can go and get into it right now. I Always hit oh, okay. record when I start, just in case I miss something. <laughs> I learned that from Mick Garris. Mick Garris told me to always hit record. So I took. Oh, miss- I cannot not take Mick Garris's advice. So
1: <laughs> he's the best, isn't he? Just he the is. nicest. Yeah,
2: I and love I Mick love Garris. his
1: interviews. I love it. I'm actually like a passionate listener of his. When he, he I just found out that he's he stopped his podcast, so. <laughs> yeah i'm like oh no what do i listen
0: to i'm on the same boat i was like when the post-mortem podcast came to an end uh the end of last year i was like so sad i'm like it's like i'm losing my friends here because i've been listening to him since he started i think he was going on for about eight years now with him and uh joe russo and both of those guys i consider friends and just you know not having them there you know on my work day and stuff like in my ear like it's it's a lot you know
1: yeah it's why I listen to a lot of like horror podcasts so I love like I love obviously Mick Garris's postmortem and I love our friends at the Boo Crew I love their podcast uh Trevor and Lauren Shand and then I love uh Joe Dante's podcast um, but yeah, I, I, I had been like kind of coveting, like hoarding a bunch of them because we've been traveling so much. So I haven't had like my usual schedule of like doing stuff at home and like listening to podcasts. <laughs> so I just like kind of came out of the blue that I heard that he was stopping. And so now I've got to like send a message. Cause like, I'm so sad. I was hoping to like bring bloody Bridget on the show and get to like chat, you know, cause I, I love chatting horror, so it's like when when there's an interesting podcast, I love to like go there and like chat my favorite films and stuff. And I was so looking forward to that with Mick, and now now it's not there anymore.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's sad, but I, you know, from what he's saying, that uh, he's working on some like new like movies, uh, TV stuff. He's got something going on with Clyde Barker. They've been working on for a while now, so hopefully that oh, comes perfect. to air, which I would fucking love. I mean, Clyde Barker and Mick Garris. I mean, you can't go wrong with that combo.
1: Yeah, I've been missing all of these like incredible like directors, and I want them to get back to directing too. You know, like we need a new Joe Dante film. We need, we need, we need, we need all of these like fun horror films again. You know.
0: <laughs> yeah, really. I mean, I, I, we need some of the old guard to come back and do their thing. And so hopefully, you know, this means you know a nice Mick Garris, uh, uh, Clyde Barker comeback. I'm all down for that. Totally. So, yeah, so like, yeah, like I was saying before, the Bloody Bridget, like uh, you just yeah, I mean, you've been crushing and stuff like, um, I'm all over social media because you know, I'm promoting the podcast, and I just like to promote harm, you know, stuff I like, I mean that's what I do, and um, I'm seeing y'all you know, win awards everywhere, I'm, you know, just a lot of good positive stuff I'm seeing about Bloody Bridget,
1: oh man, yeah, and thank you um you are such a champion for like horror and especially like independent horror I've been noticing you have been so kind with like sharing our post and and interacting and everything and that's just so helpful and and so I don't know we're so grateful because we self-finance we don't have a nobody's helping you know like it's just me and rick trudging along and trying to like work the system uh independently and so it's so helpful when friends and fans are like sharing and getting the word out because that's kind of like where we've been you know like not struggling but like it's it's been tough to be competing with like multi-million dollar like horror films and that's kind of where it seems like the bigger festivals only want like the huge studio horrors and they're not really i don't want to say not supporting indie but they're definitely making it hard for like indie indie directors and horror people to like get their films in i would say if you're not like if you don't have like a huge a-list star you know Mm -hmm. so that's been that's been an interesting um adventure we uh ricky my husband, Richard Elfman, and I have another film. Uh, It's like a sci-fi kind of like wacky horror um, called Aliens, Clowns, and Geeks. And that released during the pandemic. So there was no festivals. So this is with Bloody Bridget. It's kind of our first round with uh, the festival circuit. And so, yeah, we've been taking it around and we kind of do these special um, live pre-show kind of events where I'll perform a bloody burlesque. And a lot of times he'll um, go into the like local music scene and uh, have like a band. And so we'll like make it a fun event. I'm kind of a, I'm a huge fan of William Castle and kind of like my goal is to bring the shock entertainment back into like the cinema experience so i like Mm -hmm. to like surprise audience and uh usually i'll have like an audience member who's like kind of uh you know uh the plant and so i'll like grab them and rip their heart out on stage it's like Mm -hmm. it's a fun time (laughs) because nobody really expects it you know
0: (laughs) No, I love that. I think that's really fucking cool. Like, it makes you feel like you're part of the film and stuff, you know, part of the activities. That's something we don't really have anymore, like that old school, like, you know, participation and everything. I think that's really cool.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's well, I come from the stage Uh, I've been doing. I, I grew up in the theater I've been doing. I'm classically trained in ballet since I was three and I've done just like a total theater he kind of had like a vaudevillian upbringing uh you know so like I love I love live performance that's like probably my favorite type of performance and and since I'm a dancer I love you know uh <laughs> incorporating dance into the performance as well um I guess it's kind of like burlesque but I I that's kind of like the layman's term my stuff is more like weird and wacky, kind of almost like performance art, like comedy. I, I I like to take the audience on kind of a journey of, like, starting out wacky comedy and then it getting, like, really, really bloody and dark and almost, like, demonic kind of stuff. Because uh, I also have a, a background in practical effects, so I like to, I do my own gags and, like, blood bladders and, you know, like, fake hearts and things like that so i i, I love to get messy
0: <laughs> that's cool yeah i mean that's a great combo like uh you know kind of suck you know get everybody in nice and comfortable with like the comedy and stuff and really like throw on the dark you know gory stuff and it's kind got like a roller coaster you know
1: Oh, totally. And, like, there's a little bit of stripping, but I don't even think about it. It's so funny because, like, people will be like, oh, you do burlesque, you do burlesque, and, uh, you know, you're so brave. And I'm like, man, that is, like, the last thing that I'm thinking about. I'm trying to make sure that, like, my partner knows their their choreography and gets to the kill zone in the right area and that I'm listening to the music and that's, like, so secondary. And I find that also it's it's funny because, It's all illusion. Generally, I'm wearing, like, more clothes than people at the beach, you know? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it's funny. It's funny how, you know, like, people think about things.
0: Yeah, you're up there, like, super multitasking. You got a lot of stuff to account for.
1: (laughs) Oh, man. It's, like, it's total, like, razzle-dazzle time. It's, like, you know, getting... It's funny because I get so into the characters that I play that sometimes I even block out the music and I'm just going on like autopilot. And a lot of times, like because we're on the tour with Bloody Bridget, the film. So it's like I have to do all of this prep because I, co- I co-produce I co these events with uh, Ricky and also like the film festival. So I'm doing a lot of work, like making sure that I have lighting, making sure that I have the right uh, sound cues. Um, and then we do it's like a multimedia. So there's something on the screen, too. So just like making sure that all of that is in line before I step foot on stage, because a lot of times we're just flying in. I don't get a rehearsal and I'm seeing the stage for the first time as my stilettos are hitting it during the <laughs> performance. So it's like it's a lot of uh, like improv and luckily, like, I have a lot of experience, you know, it's like, I'm a professional, I'm a showman. So it's like, it's kind of the, that's a fun aspect of it. I, I like to challenge myself as an artist. So it's like, you know, like learning the stages, hopefully I don't fa- fall down the stairs, you know, It's like <laughs> all these like little things that nobody thinks about, but I've got to like juggle. And hopefully my knife is at the the right area where I asked, you know, because like, I come out in this number i come out with a bunch of balloons and that's kind of the reveal is like i stab myself with a huge kind of like michael myers uh kitchen knife mm-hmm. so i'm like running around with a fake knife with a little uh needle at the end and so that's always kind of surprising too because you'd be surprised uh how many people are actually terrified of balloons <laughs> yeah that's a
0: thing I've, I've read about that's like a balloon
1: phobia thing Yeah, yeah, well, I can see it, you know, because like, I like, I I like teasing the audience and kind of like making it a moment for them. So I'll go up and get in people's faces, you know, in a nice, silly way. But I would say half of the time, people are terrified when I come close to pop a balloon. And I'm like, you know what, buckle up. I'm scared of them, too. But I haven't lost anybody yet. Let's go.
0: (laughs) I wonder if it's like a noise thing. I know that gets me. Like, if I'm doing like a haunted house and uh, like the like costumes are uh, really cool, I love all the kind of stuff in like haunted houses, but like the loud noises, like the abrupt loud noises really get to me. I don't know if that's like the same thing with like a balloon popping.
1: Oh, yeah, it could be. I mean, also just the like surprise of like the rubber popping and you don't know where. Places are gonna go. I mean, I've I don't. I'm going with so much adrenaline and like trying to get to all of my areas, you know, for the mm. performance. I I don't even remember like getting hit by anything. You know what I mean? It's <laughs> like. It's time to go, you know, showtime.
2: <laughs>
0: it's almost like the performances and all are very similar, like being in like a metal band. It sounds like, you know, different cities every night, like different stages trying to concentrate, not to fall off the stage. Like, cause I played heavy metal for like 18 years of my life, you know, playing a lot of live shows all over the place. And uh, that was kind of the things I've always thought about. Like, don't fall off the stage. I never did fall off the stage, but I came close a few times.
1: <laughs> oh, how cool. Yeah. I mean, I've never been in a a metal band or anything like that, but I I, I kind of uh, like it to like a vaudeville show you know like where they're touring and and doing their performances and yeah my my performances are so physical like I'll walk away with bruises all over my knees and (laughs) like I've been to war you know (laughs) but luckily I haven't fallen off the stage yet I've gotten I've I've slipped a little bit but you know like you make it work it's you know blood on the stage and I'm just in like these like crazy black stilettos trying to make it work
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. On my uh, last podcast, uh, I was talking with my friend, uh, Sonia, and uh, she does special effects and all, too. We were talking about, like, uh, what's the best, like, uh, fake blood recipe. And the one that I'm used to, um, I was on a, a movie, like, a little teeny part in a movie a long time ago called Science Team. It was a little independent uh, sci-fi horror movie. But the blood they used in that was uh, made with uh, chocolate syrup. And I just thought that was cool as hell because it tasted good. You know, when it's, like, coming out of my mouth, is like, it's chocolate syrup. Like, do you have That's a specific... Cool. Uh, like a blood mix that you use or
1: Well that sounds like what Alfred Hitchcock used on a uh, Psycho, you know, the blood syrup on the drain to mm-hmm. to show up on on the black and white film. Um uh, I kind of I I go with like a Tread and true um I like the Ben Nye one because it's kind of a thicker consistency uh when I travel because like I bring I generally bring everything with me so I don't have to like worry about you know like oh do they have like a spirit Halloween or do they have like you know because like we're going all over the place and I never know what I'm gonna have or like where the theater is so I kind of bring a couple uh containers with me and I'll I always have to like wrap them up really well because I'm always worried that they're gonna (laughs) explode and go all over my costumes you know because I have everything together (laughs) (laughs) and I only have like one of everything so I would be kind of screwed if something happened but I'll always like put like fake blood on it just in case like because that's another worry you know because I have like the realistic uh human heart and the in my suitcase and so far so good nobody's like taken it or, or or gone through anything but uh yeah I like the Ben Nye one and then I'll uh kind of thin it out with some water because I kind of like I come up with a little like jerry-rigging um like a big pack on whoever my victim's chest that I like I tape them into and then I uh I put them in a white uh plain shirt and then i'll like cut little holes in it so that i in the moment so i can like rip it open really fast you know and have like blood Mm -hmm. squirting everywhere so little secrets of the trade (laughs)
0: <laughs> that's cool I'm, I'm surprised that like tsa hasn't stopped you for like a human heart in your luggage or anything like that <laughs> i
1: know because it looks so good it's it's so yummy looking
0: <laughs> they so might scan it and be good. like oh what is this I, i'm just going to keep on let's, let's keep this luggage going i don't want to ask <laughs> you know
1: <laughs> i know i know yeah that's kind of one of my fears is that they'll like end up taking it and then i'll have to like like, like, figure out how, how am I going to do this?
0: (laughs) (laughs) So what, what originally got your, um, how'd you get your idea for Bloody Bridget?
1: Oh, well, it, my, it's my husband's idea and story. And I actually asked him this morning, I was like, okay, what's, what was the inspiration? And he was like, you are so I don't know if I can say that (laughs) (laughs) without sounding totally full of myself um but he wrote uh this the screenplay during the pandemic so like we were just at home a lot and I you know like he's seen me do my um different like I guess gorlesque performances and stuff and and Also, the the story comes from, like, Haitian voodoo and stuff, and so he is a Latin percussionist, and I know that, like, some of the music comes from, like, the different beats and things come from that world, and so, so, yeah, all of that, I guess.
0: That's cool. It's really awesome how he drew inspiration from you for this. Like, I I just think that's really cool.
1: I know. A lot of pressure, though. (laughs) <laughs> I remember when he was like pitching it to me talking about it. I was like I don't know if I can play this character like I maybe you should get somebody else I might be too close to it but you know he sweet talked me into it let's say
0: <laughs> that's, a, that's awesome and on the subject of like Bloody Bridget and like uh, vampire movies in general like uh, what are some of your like favorite vampire films
1: ooh favorite vampire films this is hard because i i I don't have like one i never have one particular favorite film but like if i can rattle a few off i love you know obviously the original nosferatu um i love uh tom holland's fright night Mm -hmm. um i love lost boys and obviously near dark um i love the fearless vampire hunters and kind of newer i i, I love the uh, original what we do in the shadows and i also love the show but like oh, just yeah. the first couple seasons are my my favorite kind of when it was focused on the group as like roommates that's that was my favorite <laughs>
0: yeah that show actually is coming to an end i think the last season is the next season unfortunately I, I do really enjoy the show but i do see what you mean like the first uh what two or three seasons or two seasons were like super like 10 out of 10 and the seasons yeah. after that were still good, but it's like I don't know, they're kinda of lacking that magic that it had in the first couple. Yeah, seasons.
1: I kinda lost it a little bit for me when they were pushing the vampiric council and kind of pushing like really forcing the guide which I like I love the actress. I think she's she's hilarious i love her in flight of the concords i love her in and bobs burgers and, oh, and yeah. uh i watch a lot of animations and we have a we have a daughter so like i'm watching gravity falls and stuff <laughs> <laughs> so i i i love i love her but i just felt like i don't know me personally like as a fan i just love the <sighs> The dynamics of the roommate stuff and them like hiding and and all the hijinks that they got into, you know. So like for me, the show kind of ended a little bit already once they like started forcing the vampire council and the what do you call it the the nightclub kind of thing. Like I was mm-hmm. like, uh, it's okay. I mean, I did like Colin Robinson like kind of growing like you know uh, no spoilers, but like his kind of adventure
0: yeah uh, colin robinson is the best like <laughs> especially the guy that plays in I, I know him from like the office he had like a small role in the office and i'm a big office fan and um oh, seen yeah. him in this it's like he plays this so well like it's, uh, i know people like that i you know what you want to call psychic vampires or whatever to just kind of bore you to death and take oh, all your yeah. energy yeah
1: the emotional like vampire totally we all know people like that god mm-hmm. especially in hollywood <laughs>
2: i bet yeah
1: (laughs) oh boy
0: that's a totally kind of a real thing though i've been around people like just totally draw my energy away and when i get away from them, good like it's gotta be a you know something about that that's real you know
1: oh totally yeah the like psychic or emotional vampire just sucking the life out of you god Mm -hmm. (laughs) i remember uh,
0: I remember, uh, I don't know what it was. Maybe it was last year. Now, yeah, I think it was last year. I was uh, tweeting something about uh, what we do in Shadows, and uh, one of the creators tweeted back at me. I was like, "Oh, that's Ooh! so fucking cool." He's like, "He's like, yes, Horror Wolf, uh, something, something." I can't remember exactly what he said, but I was like, "Holy shit!" <laughs> I was like, I was telling my wife because my wife is a huge fan of this show as well. So oh,
1: um, lucky, lucky! I love yeah. when that happens and how. Like, I mean, I don't love you know, social media stuff, but I do kind of love it in the way where it connects you with like your, it can connect you in some cases with your favorite artist, uh, you know, and your favorite creators. So that's so cool. Lucky you.
0: Yeah. That's yeah. I try to use social media that way, you know, besides promoting stuff, I don't, ever like uh, post my personal opinions on anything i don't care about all that stuff i'm there about promoting horror or music (laughs) or whatever i like doing and like making cool contacts and stuff with people i think that on that uh on that purpose there like social media is like is pretty cool so
1: oh same yeah i mean i've i've been kind of like making a like i've been trying to use social media to like voice that you know I mean I know I look like a cliche blonde actress but like (laughs) I I love horror like I'm a total monster kid and like film cinephile film buff and I love chatting horror and so I've been trying to like be really vocal about that and I love like film history and not forgetting you know like about like the classics, the film noirs, and the silent. I grew up on a, a bunch of silent films and, and pre code horror, and uh, I, I I love just like chatting about that stuff. So I I kind of make my social media kind of focused on my favorite things too, um, and kind of like you know because like people aren't talking about like Lon Chaney Sr. and he's like my biggest inf- uh, inspiration, you know, and so like I'm like. <laughs> You know, my favorite stuff like Lon Chaney Sr., David Lynch, obviously, Richard and Danny Elfman. (laughs) (laughs) Very biased opinions on on my social media, let's say.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's kind of a a weird thing, but as we record this today, it's uh, David Lynch's birthday, so I think that's pretty cool. I know
1: yes oh. i was like trying to figure out i was like okay how am i gonna drop that i'm always like trying to get like my own views into like my different uh <laughs> interviews i was like okay how are we gonna get that in but yes happy birthday david lynch an icon
0: oh man like yeah. uh twin peaks like uh twin peaks I, I do like a uh a little side project where it's like a dark like the atmospheric like uh music thing i do i call it a braxis horn um it's inspired also from uh, the movie mandy but a lot of it's inspired by david lynch and twin peaks because the scores are so amazing and the weirdness of the david lynch world like it's it's so inspiring to me like i had to like i like i gotta throw this out there i gotta you know create something around that weirdness and yeah david lynch is so awesome
1: yes Oh my gosh, I had no idea about that. Please send me some stuff. I love, obviously, David Lynch and, and Twin Peaks and and the soundtrack and everything. So I want to hear some of your stuff.
0: Yeah, I'll definitely uh, message you some stuff over. I have uh, two releases out right now with this project. Uh, and that's on, I think it's on Spotify and everywhere else. But uh, yeah, I'll send you some links to that. But yeah, David Lynch, like even now like i I go back and watch twin peaks at least once a year you know and uh nothing else compares with like the world he created there you know like it's so surreal and it's so fucking like dreamlike you know he's the king of like the dreamlike feeling movies and tv shows you know
1: oh yes i love him and i love it, it it's so much thought put into his universes and how they touch you you know like it, it feels like they all kind of like touch in the different dimensions of his you know films and and creative work i i love it
0: do you have a like a favorite of his work like one of your what's your favorite movie or anything from him that you really really like
1: Oh man, it's so hard. I know that's a hard <laughs>
0: one. I got I got one, but I'll let you go first. I got one that really hits me the hardest out of all of them. And I love everything he's done. Even Dune. I enjoyed his version of Dune. So
1: Yeah, <laughs> I, I I love everything. I even like I, I I, love his artwork. I love his uh his student film projects, uh, you know, the alphabet, all all that kind of stuff. Um I I mean I I my favorite one that I don't know. I really love The World and 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 Lost Highway.
0: I was about to say I, the same exact thing. That's my favorite.
1: <laughs> I love it because it's yeah. like it's so it's so weird, but it's so like it feels very Hollywood. You know, it's like you meet people and then it's like you meet them years later. You know, it's just it's so it's so wild. And I I don't know. I just love it. And I I love the actors involved and everything.
0: You know, to me, that that one has the most like a uh, nightmare feel to it, especially Total how things night- change. Like, you know, this, this, there's a change like halfway through the movie. It's like it's the same things that happens with like dreams and nightmares, like things just randomly change. And like you have to accept that in your dream, you know, and like this totally captures that.
1: Completely. Yeah. I mean, I would say a lot of for me, I. I. I I would say David Lynch, you know, it's like a horror film to me. Cause it's oh, like, yeah. it's just a constant, it's a living nightmare that he's going through. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh man.
0: Yeah. The, the mystery man really gets me like so fucking creepy. And he just like appears out of the closet, like in that dark space <laughs> there. Cause I mean, <laughs> growing up, I had a fear of like closets. So make sure they're always like shut things under the bed, stuff like that, that, so that shit like that really gets to me like the unknown you know like this what's in the darkness and you got the mystery man in the darkness like terrifying
1: it's so good and those scenes with the mystery man it's like almost it borderlines a little bit on the like comedic like what do you mean you're in my house you know like mm-hmm. what do you mean we met before like it's just so goofy but so like terrifying at the same time like i don't want to meet him
0: no <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I totally consider this a horror movie. Like, I I consider mostly whatever everything David Lynch did is a you know these horror adjacent or adjacent or into horror realm. You know, like to me that is horror. You know, that stuff that really like invokes like, I don't know. This is like you know inner stuff that you know comes from nightmares and you know childhood traumas and all that stuff. So.
1: Completely like on a deep level, too. And then there's he, you know, I love his use for practical effects. Uh, it's so gross, like with you know, like a razor head and stuff. I can't even watch those films that much because they hit me on like such a deep level. You know, it's like, yes, I love his films, but like, also, it's like, how do people, it's just, it's so gut turning and emotional. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's just, it's tough it's tough to watch i don't know i'm like really sensitive so i have to i i kind of guard myself a little bit like with what i i let myself watch because like i get i get an emotional charge let's say
0: <laughs> yeah a head like i can watch that maybe once every 10 years but uh I know some people I can watch it like over and over and I just can't do it. It's like right? a sensory overload. It's a it's like a masterpiece of a movie, but it's so heavy and this like so much going on there is like it's uh yes yeah, too much.
1: Yeah, I get that way also like with a lot of Tim Burton's films, like with uh With Edward Scissorhands, it's such a, like, sad film to me. And I don't know how people can just watch it over and over again. I just, I, it guts me. It tears Mm -hmm. me up. Like, I have to actually, like, get myself, like, brave enough to watch it, you know? (laughs) Because I just feel so much for Edward and, like, being surrounded by all these people and people manipulate. You know, he's just, like, such a pure... Soul, and he's just being manipulated. You know, it's it's so sad.
0: (laughs) And you don't realize that watching it growing up, you don't see that part. You're like, oh, this is Edward Scissorhands. He's kind of like, you know, he's a character and stuff. But as you get older, and you like you say, you go back and look on that, look back over that movie, how sad it is, and like how you know tragic it is. Like, man, that's heavy. So
1: tragic. Well, I feel like I, because I grew up on a lot of silent films. It's like you feel for those characters again. Like I'll say, like. Uh, Lon Chaney Sr., you know, he's always playing these um, tragic characters like with Phantom, with Eric, you know, it's like he did, you know, like, okay, so what? He killed a few people, but like, do we have to kill him? I don't know. He's just so sad, you know, Mm -hmm. he's just trying to get, you know, like, uh, what's her name, Christina, (laughs) make her the diva of the opera. (laughs) (laughs) But like, for me, I don't know, like, I feel like I get affected by these films so like yeah when I watch them especially like as a kid I have these like deep like visceral you know big emotional like charges let's say so it's yeah I I feel like when I watched these stuff these things as a kid I I felt those and so that's maybe why it's hard for me to go back to them <laughs> <laughs>
0: Like uh, talking about Tim Burton again, uh, Beetlejuice is one of my all time favorite movies because as a kid, I, I would wear that VHS out of Beetlejuice and I still oh, fucking nice. love Beetlejuice. But if you look at that movie, like that's a pretty tragic one, too. I mean, yeah, two people like this newlywed couple, they just randomly die, you know, and then like they're going through like purgatory, whatever you want to call it. And there's it, it a lot of dark stuff in that that you don't see as a kid. <laughs>
1: Oh, completely. Yeah, they're just like trudging along, trying to figure out like how do we, how do we deal with this? No, there's like there's rules, but they read like stereo instructions, so like nobody knows what's going on, and and it's just insane. And then like people are moving into their house and totally changing everything on them.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, I Beetlejuice. I mean, come on, like that's a perfect film. It everything about it, like I love that uh with uh Tim Burton, you know like when he's using all the practical effects and and you know the bow welch sets uh the set design is incredible and mm-hmm. uh the effects the, the and okay, like the score is not too bad, huh <laughs> <laughs> right
0: yeah danny does a great job with the score of course like that's perfect a given score yeah.
1: perfect yeah. I mean like i I still like. I mean, Danny and Ricky, they're, like, a little jaded, but, like, I'm still, like, I can't believe that Danny created, like, the opening, like, all of these just classics, classic, mm-hmm. just hitting it out of the park. Like, how do you, how do you create these things? And then, like, don't get me going on his, you know, career, like, creating Batman. You know, I mean, like, mm-hmm. I know we've got, like, the comic book and the, the the like, the, 19, the 60s kind of, like, um show and stuff, but like when you think of Batman, when you're not thinking of those, you're thinking of Danny Elfman's like theme for Batman. Like yep. how insane. And like like Spider Man. Like I like it's I can't even believe it. It's just legend, legendary creativity going on here. <laughs> yeah,
0: and he I mean he'd go down into history books. I mean, after our time and our, like the time before us, like that lives on forever. Like it's iconic, you know, like it's pretty fucking just, badass.
1: It's like everything he touches, everything he does is just like, like historic and legendary and so good and luckily, I'm gonna spin it back to us for Bloody Bridget. We've got some phenomenal original uh, Danny Elfman scores and themes along with our, our friend and collaborator Ego Plum who he is a genius in his own right he's uh he did all the music he's like kind of the cartoon king right now for for composing he did mm-hmm. all the music for the new cuphead series and he does cool. spongebob and Jellystone. he's doing a lot of the hannah B- barbera um you know scores where they're going to be like redoing the all of those old cartoons and stuff. So it's like, it's wild, but we've got a phenomenal million dollar score going on with bloody Bridget. And we're so lucky.
0: Yeah. That's <laughs> so, way cool.
1: Yeah. And we actually, uh, so Danny, which, okay, I'm going to fangirl out. So, you know, <laughs> he, he did uh, Ongo Boingo. So we've got a few Ongo Boingo tunes in the film. And he also, which is like a, a, a crazy thing. he, after taking like i don't know if it was like 20 30 years off of like being like w- releasing new like rock music he released a new album a couple years ago called big mess and so we actually scored one of the title tracks called uh, cruel compensation and so we have that in the film and we're the first to use any of his like new album in in anything so that's mm. kind of cool <laughs> that
0: is way cool yeah
1: and so like I do my my uh, my burlesque uh, bloody burlesque number to cool compensation. So I've been the first person to do that. So I don't know. I like being the first. Yeah. <laughs> that's
0: yeah, I mean, that's so badass. And I'm sure he's also doing the Beetlejuice 2 stuff, probably as we speak. I'm not I'm not sure where that is in production right now, but
2: I know it's Yes. Uh, yeah.
1: Yeah. Well he's definitely I mean, that's been public. He's definitely doing the score for that. Uh, which is amazing and it can't you know I mean okay so like first of all besides him being family it's like I'm a huge fan I'm like in the trenches with the fans you know like Mm -hmm. I'm an obsessive fan of him I actually have to tone it down like we're we're together I've (laughs) got to talk about anything else but (laughs) Mm -hmm. work stuff you know what I mean (laughs) Um, but uh, so yeah he's working on that and I think they wrapped up I think they had, like, one or two more days before, like, because we just got over, like, the huge SAG strike that shut down everything, Mm -hmm. and so I think, I think Tim Burton, I mean, like, I'm not, I'm not on that project or anything, but what I hear is that, like, they had a, a day or two left of filming, and I think that they finished that up recently, and so they're probably diving into the score right now, I imagine.
0: That's really cool. I'm 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 hoping it's going to be awesome. You know, I mean, most of the original cast is returning, if I'm not mistaken. You know, and uh, you know, Michael Keaton is Beetlejuice. If they would to changed, like uh, who Beetlejuice was, because there's rumors back in the day like this other guy's going to be Beetlejuice. I'm like uh, Michael Keaton is Beetlejuice. You know,
1: <laughs> just like he's Batman. You know, yeah, I mean for yeah. me, because like I'm a huge Michael Keaton fan. Like you know like i'll die on that on that hill like he's batman like nobody yeah. else. and i love the i a huge batman fan in general actually we just got a cat and we named her selena kyle oh, that's awesome because <laughs> we, we rescued her from uh, a really popular cemetery that's out here the hollywood's uh forever cemetery so we were like looking for uh, a spooky name for her and she's a uh uh, orange cat like a ginger cat and usually they're males and so the whole time when I was trying to rescue her, I thought that she was a male. So I was gonna name her Vincent Price or Elfman or or Peter Laurie Elfman because Peter Laurie is actually um buried at at Hollywood forever and I go visit him sometimes. Uh but she ended up being a little girl kitty. So we had to like think about like spooky names and we kind of like our daughter and I, uh, Audrey We were like teasing names like we almost went with Lydia Dietz Elfman, but we ended her 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 like um, temperament was more Selena Kyle, you know, very sweet, but like also fierce. (laughs) Mm
2: -hmm.
1: So so anyways, I'm a huge Batman fan and I love Batman and I love uh, that Batman Returns, you know, obviously. But Yeah, yeah, those are
0: two of my favorites as well. I love those. Those two are fucking so good.
1: Right, and to me they're like part one and part two. Like I feel mm-hmm. like they're totally in the like obviously in the same universe, and um, I consider them kind of one film personally. But I'm also crazy, so. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and me too. So it's fine. Crazy is good. Like you don't want to be normal. Normal's boring.
1: Yeah, exactly. Let yeah. let the normies do that. Let's have some fun. <laughs>
0: On the on the cat stuff, uh, me and my wife are cat people as well. We have uh, two kitties right now. Um, our black cat um, is named after Lily Munster. Her name is Lily oh. Munster Legion. So that's her name. And then uh, we got a, a new cat. Um, he's only, uh, I think he's like six months now. But he's like gray and has like a lion's mane and like these like wolf-like ears. But uh, my, oh. wife, my wife gave him his first name, which is Castiel, because she's a big fan of the show Supernatural oh cool. so, so Castillo I named him uh Jareth for his middle name because I'm a big we're both big fans of the labyrinth and hes he has like a whole goblin yeah. King attitude about him, you know so it's Castillo Jareth Legion
1: <laughs> <laughs> the babe with the power <laughs>
0: yeah <laughs> he's a t- oh, he's a totally the cool. goblin king like the way he acts <laughs> and everything and yeah we named him perfectly.
1: When they get in trouble, do you do their full names? I do. Uh, I do for our cat. I'm like, Selena Kyle Elfman, get down. Get off the piano.
0: We'll be like Castillo, because we usually call him Cass now for short, but we'll be like Castillo, get down from there. He loves trying to jump up on the TV. I'm like, Nope, nope, Castillo, come here, (laughs) you know.
1: How funny. Yeah, well, we we just got her a couple months ago and we um well, okay. So like we live in a hundred year old over 100-year-old, like, kind of chateau place in the Hollywood Hills, so it's, like, big for Hollywood standards, like, we're, like, uh, three, four stories, um, but, like, we don't have a yard, so we haven't had, like, dogs or, like, cats or anything, and we have, like, a huge, huge, um, what do you call it, a coyote Mm-hmm. Uh, coyote population out here so like we my husband has been worried about like having a cat and stuff but I grew up with like a lot of animals like because I I grew up in Orange County and so like I always had yards and things and I also grew up doing like 4-H so that's like kind of like a youth group for kids uh learning animal husbandry so like I grew up taking care of like donkeys and peacocks and you know all kinds of alpacas all kinds of animals so like I've always been like pro-animal and so like I've had to like slowly work on Ricky over the years to like let us get a cat and so randomly somebody reached out to me about like uh some somebody uh like abandoned some kittens at the cemetery and I guess like I I hadn't noticed but there's like I guess more people have been abandoning cats at the cemetery. Cause there's been like a, a feral group of cats that just live there. You know, they're fine. They avoid people and they just like mm. living at the cemetery. But like, I guess with the pandemic, more people have been like dumping like normal house cats there, which is terrible. So like the cemetery has like a cat rescue and they're looking for people to like rescue the ones, you know, that obviously belong in homes and Our kitty, like she was so sweet and going up to people that the rescuer was like reaching out to people like, hey, can you come and get this cat? Because, you know, it's like you you never know who's going to go to the cemetery and you don't want anything bad to happen to the kitties, especially somebody so nice. And she ended up being. Like the sweetest little kitty and has perfect house manners. So obviously, she was like somebody's cat, and forever, for whatever reason, they abandoned her. But I lucked out because, like, she's the perfect cat and she's so lovely. Sorry to like go on about the cat, but she's like rather new. And I'm just like so happy to have an animal now (laughs) because we've had lizards and things like that. And now we have like a little jumping spider, Otho. (laughs)
0: Oh, that's cool. Otho from
1: (laughs) BOGS. Yeah, 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 which is like my daughter's pet and she loves reptiles so like she's we've had like a couple um lizards and things but like now to have like a mammal you know who wants to cuddle and things like that is so nice
0: (laughs) yeah cats are the best uh before i met my wife i was like a dog person i had dogs growing up never had a cat we had one cat as a kid my dad brought home from work he uh he was a landscaper and stuff and uh but he brought home a, a feral, he brought home a feral cat. Oh so, no. <laughs> yeah. It tore me up. Like there was no training that cat or taming in that cat. Like I remember it jumped <laughs> on my back and just tore me up. I'm like, dad, oh, what'd you no. bring home? You know? And I was like, like, Oh, it's this... fine. Yeah. Well, he finally, yeah. He's like uh, the cat would sleep on his head, but me, no. But anyways, when I met my wife and stuff, um, she had her orange kitty. His name was Melvin. He recently passed away, unfortunately. Oh, I'm sorry. He was, uh, I think he was 13 or 14, but he was suffering from, like, diabetes and stuff. So it's like his last year wasn't very good, you know. He oh, was, no. We would get him shots twice a day and everything. But, um, yeah, when I met her, she had Melvin, and he was a big orange cat. I mean, i would never seen a cat that big in person. He was, like, I think he was 20 pounds. <laughs> I mean, huge. He was all oh, muscle, too.
2: a he big had, boy.
0: Yeah. And he was very like protective of her. Like he would get up by me and like, kind of like uh, bow himself up and everything. I'm like, Whoa, I don't want any trouble. You know? <laughs> like, You're huge. You're like half a tiger or something. But, um, he was by himself. And then, um, we were like, we need to get a, you know, a kitty, like another pet for him to play around with. So we ended up, that's how we got Lily. She's a black cat. And I got her when she was like, I think three or four months. And, uh, some people were getting rid of her on like Craigslist or something and, uh, Oh no. I, I sw- uh, yeah, I, I I definitely I got a hold of her real fast. I'm like, yeah, she's coming home with me as soon as I saw her, like she was perfect. So and so since that day I've become a cat person.
1: <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. With Rick, he's had never had a cat like he's had dogs before in the past, but he's never had a cat. And so I can't, you, you know, he wasn't really sure what was going to happen, but the cat totally loved, you know, and he's definitely a cat guy now. And he's always remarking, like, I've never had a cat before. And, he, you know, he's like, she she has her certain times where she likes to be fed and she's very vocal and, like, mm-hmm. screams at us about it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and so, like, in the morning, if he wakes up before me, like, he'll go feed the cat. Just so cute. Like, their, you know, relationship now. You know, like, Mm -hmm. like, because he, like, wasn't really... He was a little not sure about getting a cat. And now it's just, like, of course, like, he's totally in love with her.
0: (laughs) Yeah, they're the best. And um, now they they do their own thing, you know. Like, you still got to, like, you know, feed them and, you know, change up their litter box. But besides that, like, they do their own thing. When they want to snuggle with you, they snuggle with you. If they don't, they're going to go somewhere else. Like, they're just so independent. I love that about them, you know.
1: Oh, totally. And she's, like... uh, our our kitty selena you know like she had like a minor little trauma being abandoned at the cemetery and like they actually found her she would sleep cuz the uh, forever cemetery is like famous for like their peacocks. Right. And so like Mm. she was, they actually found her sleeping with the peacocks and like, they have like a pond there and they have swans and stuff. So she's like this, like rough and tumble little kitten, you know, sleeping with birds, which is so (laughs) weird. Like she has a funny little personality, but like we're, I'm noticing once she's like, Because she kind of like calmed down almost immediately. Like, you know, like you you keep when you get a new cat, you keep them in the bathroom, you know, let them Mm. like kind of adjust. And then when they're ready, they'll show signs and be curious. And so like we kind of did all of those steps, but we almost didn't need to. She like warmed up to us immediately and was just so down for like being kid catnapped you know (laughs) like (laughs) (laughs) totally falling in love with us but like it's interesting just seeing her like personality like flourish and like her own little like what you were saying like doing her own little things like she loves we gave her a ribbon she loves her blue velvet ribbon to play with and she'll bring it like a dog like when she wants to play and she'll play fetch with it and you Mm -hmm. know and she'll come and like at first she was a little cautious getting on laps, but now she's coming over to cuddle. Cause like we both work from home. So I'm like on the couch, like doing work and stuff and she'll come over and cuddle. And I'm like, okay, I guess I don't work anymore. I'm just like, (laughs) you know, like I'm done. Like, she's just so cute. She, she does anything and it's just like oh my god look at her <laughs> <You> yeah know?
0: <laughs> i know the exact same feeling like i'll be trying to do some uh, writing or whatever or write a review or doing something on my computer and uh, Lily would come by and it's like sit on my keyboard i'm like well i'm done
1: <laughs> yeah yeah and i mean we kind of took a big chance to you know because it's like when you go with a rescue you kind of get to see the temperament you get to see how they react and how you know they have good manners and things like that and so we kind of kind of took this huge risk uh taking her in but she like knows how to use her like little kitty litter and she she's so polite and she's not destructive at all uh which is so nice because like we have a lot of like like priceless memorabilia you know I was kind Mm -hmm. of worried about her like biting ticket stubs or I, I don't know I'm very sentimental so I keep a lot of stuff you know like from like films or things like that but she's like she's she has such nice manners so we're lucky. Yeah, that is
0: really good. Like same with our kids, like they don't uh our cat ki- our cats don't, uh, you know, mess with nothing like valuable luckily. So that's a good thing cuz we yeah, have a ton so of like cool good. stuff like don't touch that cat. Like stay away from that, you know.
1: Yeah, I mean you see things like with cats like knocking over things just for fun or climbing on bookcases and I'm like please don't be destructive.
0: Mhm. <laughs> Yeah, Cass hasn't climbed the bookshelves yet. I know he's looked at them though. He's like, I'm like, no, dude, don't do that. I have like a uh, first edition Stephen King hardcovers on this bookshelf. Uh, I got Clyde Barker signed first editions of like The Cabal and um, a couple other things there. I'm like, don't climb on that, please. You know, there's a lot oh, of cool man. stuff
2: there.
1: Yeah, yeah, like us, like Monster Kids, like like you know, we've got a lot of cool like sentimental things, and yeah, please don't destroy it, Kitty.
0: <laughs> I've got some stuff in a closet up in my podcast room. It's a bunch of signed stuff from Clyde Barker. I did a Kickstarter for him for his project called Imagineer that came out like, I'd say like 10 years ago now. It was like a art book and everything that he signed and all this other fancy stuff. And uh, I keep that in its original wrapping up in the closet, like hidden away. But I know I have it. It's like I'm so crazy. Like I don't even take it out to like look at it every year. Like I keep it hidden up there because I don't know. It just holds power to me, you know
1: oh so cool yeah put it in like a shadow box or something and then it's like protected and (laughs) yeah
0: i need to do that i really do
1: yeah i have to i have to get like i love like those old like um vintage like what do you call them glass bells you know and Mm -hmm. like i love like um having like putting like special keepsakes in those and and uh yeah, like like Ricky has some stuff from his films. Like he has um, Queen Doris's, like th- her like huge stilettos. And so I have those in like a little bell, yeah. uh, you know, thing to keep them safe. Because like I'm a huge fan too and I don't want mm-hmm. anything to happen. You know, I love film history and I, I hate how Hollywood just like throws things away. And I wish that I had like oodles of money to like, you know, keepsake everything you know
2: yeah
0: <laughs> and what's scary right now too I've talked about this before on my podcast is like the uh everything going digital like you know physical media <laughs> kind of slowly disappearing that is really scary to me
1: it's so it's so scary because it's like I, I feel like especially like the horror fans it's like we love like practical you know a lot of people are probably like huge practical effects people you know like we mm. love the that kind of stuff we love getting our hands on stuff you know we're probably people who like collect magazine you know like the famous monsters and things like that you know uh yeah that's nuts to me. I mean, I feel like there's enough of us that, you know, and studios are kind of listening to fans now. It's like, if we make enough of a fuss about it, they've got to do, you know, if like we can make a, if people can make a fuss out of like, what was it? uh, Sonic the Hedgehog design. And then they, oh, like, yeah. they redo the whole movie. Like we can start making a fuss about this, you know, and get them back on track with that. I mean, also it's like, I think studios have, like, their own, you know, plans and designs on, like, you know, making you, like, pay for subscriptions and things like that where they can't, you know, like, having mm-hmm. the physical media, it's, like, taking it into our own hands, you know what I mean? So, it's, right. like, they have their own, you know, plans with that stuff, so it's, like, we've got to be vocal and demand it,
2: yeah. you know?
0: There, uh, there was a uh, a newer series that came out uh, a few years ago. Uh, it was based off of Let the Right One In. And uh, it got canceled. It was a great show. It got canceled after the first season and then totally disappeared off of every streaming app you can think of. Like, it was gone, and nobody nobody knows what happened to it. It's gone. It's not there anymore. Like, you can imagine if that was on, like, a physical edition, like, have, like, season one you know, like on Blu-ray or something. But no, they yeah. never did that. It's just gone. Like, what happened to it? <laughs> you know, it's crazy. That was
1: just a, like a figment of your imagination. Yeah. Did this really happen? Oh, man.
0: Yeah, and that was pretty. That was recently. That was probably like two years ago. It was a great show. It was going to be a great show, I thought. It had a lot of potential, you know, because I'm a big fan of Let the Right One In. Um, oh, yeah. The original version. The and original. I enjoyed the Yeah, I enjoyed the American version, too. But the original is the best and yeah. you know, the and the show was like cool it took a whole different kind of take on it but it was a good take and this just gone
1: oh man i never even heard about this show so there you go it's like uh, now i want to see it because i'm a fan of the uh, of both of them i like the original obviously and i like i should have mentioned that for <laughs> vampire <laughs>
0: <set>. <laughs> there's so many good vampire films um you know let the right one in you know the original was so damn good that's like one of the best vampire films of our like generation i think you know
1: oh totally oh yeah and i forgot to mention i kind of like like okay so it's kind of silly but i also love like the uh van helsing i love that world you know Mm -hmm. Um, and I love Underworld as well. For like, Oh, I love it. Yeah, same here.
0: <laughs> I own all the Underworld movies. I had like the special edition, like couple
2: DVDs I mean, I they did kind for of,
1: it. I know they're kind of cheesy or whatever, or like real horror fans would, would be like, oh man, those aren't real horror. But I love them. And I wish that they like. I wish with uh, Van Helsing, I wish that they did more of that series. I, I, You know, I wanted to see more. I wanted to see more Frankenstein. I wanted to see more of Dracula. You know, I I, I just like the universes that they create, you know.
0: No, I'm, I totally agree with that, especially with the Underworld series. Like, especially the first three Underworld are fucking really, really good. But even
2: so good. overall,
0: they're all pretty, they're all really decent, you know. And, um, yeah, I like that. I like the soundtrack of, like. The whole yeah. like matrixy look to them and stuff is dark and everybody's all I think like it's super like, really stylish. And shit. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I love Underworld. I need to revisit those. I haven't watched Underworld in a while now, but yeah, I mean, great soundtrack too. I remember I had won the won the uh, soundtrack off of a radio station contest for the first Underworld movie and had like this really a uh, badass. I think it was a David Bowie and a Trent Reznor song on there, just made for the Underworld movie and oh, so good.
1: How cool. Yeah, we're kind of okay. So our daughter just turned 16. So she's like a really new 16 year old. And because she like grew up, you know, with like films, like she's growing up on film sets. And I I did practical effects professionally a lot too. So she was, she's seen everything, uh, you know, behind the scenes and going on sets and all that kind of stuff. But so like, I grew up on a lot of horror films. And so that's like, was what, is one of my, like, most important things as a parent. It's, like, I want to expose her to all the great uh, horror films and and a great cinema and, and just, like, have her, like, give her this film knowledge. Because um, also she wants to be an animator when she grows up. So, like, I want her, that's one of my big things is, like, when people especially in the industry don't know their film history or even horror history you know mm-hmm. it really like irked me cuz like i'm a huge fan of all of that and yeah. so i've been like she's uh she's been wanting to watch more horror and so like i've been rewatching a lot of the the uh, like important horror films that i grew up on and so like those are like one of i mean not underworld per se but it's like on on the list of things to like rewatch again you know yeah so it's like we you know we've been watching a lot of the like kind of like famous monsters like she loves um the invisible man and the creature and uh obviously her the first one that i showed her was uh the uh Lon Chaney's uh phantom, you know, which mm-hmm. I don't really cr- uh, consider a monster but I know everybody does. <laughs> right. <laughs> which is good cuz it gives them, you know, like people are 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 seeing the film and and tr- starting to learn, you know, about like Lon Chaney senior which to me uh he's like the father of horror as we know it. I mean, like not only was he a phenomenal actor but he literally made and created special effects and 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 helped create horror as we know it so yeah
0: without him we would be like nowhere you know like what would we be without him like it's crazy to think about
1: (laughs) no it's insane he literally wrote the book on 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 practical makeup effects you know like when he was creating it was pre-code silent film and there weren't those unions there was no makeup union he was literally creating it on his own and he just I don't know, like I could go on and on about him. He's just, he's my biggest inspiration and and idol and uh, not to toot my own horn, but like we share the same birthday. And so <laughs> <laughs> April 1st, cool. April Fool's Babies, um, and we have a lot of similarities, you know, like he started in comedy in the theater, uh, he was doing vaudeville and things like that and uh you know like my my history i i started in the theater and i do a lot of my own uh practical effects and makeup and costuming and and he did that a lot you know obviously and it was funny on uh, uh, a little side story if we have time um, oh yeah for my birthday uh last year i guess i uh i forced my family to go visit his grave which is uh local to us and so um we went and it was probably the closest besides like the birth of my daughter, probably the the closest to like a religious experience I've ever had, like going and being able to, you know, give my respects and thank him, you know, mm. like for everything. I, I mean, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be a creator without him. I mean, you know, he was, his films were one of the first films that I ever saw as a kid, you know, phantom and, and, you know, um, then Holy three and Laugh Clown laugh. And I love his collaborations obviously with Todd Browning, you know, and mm-hmm. I, I love him in general too, you know, freaks, you know, I feel like a lot right. of my um, creativity spiraled from witnessing those films at, at like a, a really young age, <laughs> probably mm-hmm. younger than I should have, <laughs> but I have kind of a warped horror aesthetic, let's say, you know, and, and, I, I i love like obviously like Todd Browning's Freaks, you know it's very inclusive, and I love myself, I love being in like you know supporting everybody and giving the platforms you know that's kind of like what we do now, creativity
0: mm-hmm. you know no i'm I'm right there with you and stuff and uh. Yeah, my horror history began with uh, my grandma and my aunt uh, having me watch uh, Hellraiser when I was like five or six years old and I never forgot that, you know. I was like, I was watching Hellraiser and I was also watching the uh, Freddy Krueger TV series that was out. I don't know if you remember that one. I can't remember the name of it right now. Yeah, that'll do it. Yeah, I grew up on that. I grew up on uh, Child's Play uh, and American Werewolf in London, like i was watching these as a, like a little teeny ass kid when I, those are like the first i remember hellraiser more than i remember anything else like and that kind of oh, shaped me like the like what i like now you know
1: yeah completely i know when i think back on all of the stuff that i was exposed to that like parents did not care at all you know i mean like i i kind of had like a weird upbringing i i kind of like i wasn't allowed to like my parents were kind of like like military and then they turned hippie they're like career military so uh, like I have a lot of like uh (laughs) military history and everything like that and work ethic and then they turned hippie uh when they got out and uh so like they had like their own like weird ideals and I wasn't allowed to like play video games growing up and not allowed to do a lot of the stuff that like normal kids were doing and so like I was busy watching silent films and kept really really busy with like theater and dance just constantly scheduled like anything and everything that you can do it like I was doing like back to back like uh you know dance classes ice skating all all kinds of crazy stuff but Mm -hmm. um It was so interesting, just the stuff that I was exposed to. I feel like I've already had, like, this huge life uh, before I even turned 18, you know, and, like, watching these scary movies as, like, a young kid. And I think now, like, as a parent, like, I wouldn't have shown, like, (laughs) these horror films to, you know, like, right now, like, our daughter just turned 16. I'm, like, debating, like, is it okay for her to see certain, you know, like... Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like I'm I'm so cautious with her. But then also it's like I I have, you know, it's like I'm on the fence because it's like those horror films like Child's Play and and Fright Night and all all of these like like extreme horror films like made me who I am now like the the crazy little horror freak I am today. You know, so it's like I also like don't want to like overly protect. You know what I mean? I don't know. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I definitely know what you mean, but um, I think you should uh, if she's 16 now, definitely Fright Night. I think that'd be a good one for because Fright Nights, you know, it does have a couple like uh, nudity scenes and a couple like gore things there, but overall, it's not. It's kind of tame for what it is, and Fright Night's yeah. like one of the best vampire movies ever made, in my opinion.
1: Totally, yeah. I've got to yeah. get on the ball with this stuff. I mean, like she loves like she loves body horror. Like she loves her, her favorite film is um. John Carpenter's the thing. Like oh, that's perfect. our favorite horror. Yeah, exactly. Oh, and we man. were lucky enough to see it. Okay, so like a year or two ago, uh, there was a thing with um Mick Garris. Like he went to some fathom events where they mm-hmm. totally like screwed up the um projection of the thing. And he was so pissed he got on social media and like called them out. And then somehow uh, Alamo Draft House got involved and so they ended up having screenings and we've got like a wonderful Alamo Draft House in downtown LA um, mm-hmm. and that's like our favorite place to go see films because I, I I love their programming too because like they're not just showing like new films they're like they have all these like fun like movie nights and things like we've seen gremlins there's like movie parties and mm-hmm. it's just like a fun a really fun like events that they sh- screened stuff. So, anyways, they got um, they got in touch with Mick Garris. and so he had a kind of a a run of uh, John Carpenter's The Thing there, and where he was able to do Q and As and stuff. And so I ended up uh, getting tickets, and so Audrey's first screening, it, she got to see the thing on on like you know the the silver screen which i think is really special because like it's not playing everywhere you know it's not easily available so i so she got to like dress up in uh, actually one of my costumes from bloody bridget and (laughs) she kind of commandeered it um there uh so she wore that and like kind of went in costume to the thing so kind of a special memory for us to go
0: that's awesome and it sounds like she's already got good taste if the thing is her favorite movie right now
2: that's yeah yeah, yeah
1: yeah she loves it she actually has a we have a a horror uh bookstore a local one uh that's really involved in the horror community out here called dark delicacies and so oh, like, yeah, I I brought her yeah yeah they're great i brought her there and she picked out a a john carpenter's the thing lunch pail to like your old retro lunch pail and she uses Mm. that every single day and she'll talk to kids about she's like preaching (laughs) (laughs) spreading the horror uh bible around you know and like explaining the thing and it's so fun
0: that's way cool yeah yeah i think kids nowadays need to be educated on the the classics you know like really awesome stuff that we had especially like the thing uh fright night uh The Howling, you know, American Werewolf in London. Like, they don't really make films like that anymore. Like, there's a lot of cool new horror out that's out and everything. But it definitely has a different feel to it than what we grew up with.
1: Totally. And that's what I was talking about before. Like, we need to get these directors back in the director's chair and get them budgets for them to do it practical. You know, like, because, like, what the hell? We don't have any more gremlins. Like, where's Hocus Pocus? All of this, like, I love... I am obsessed with gateway horror, you know, Mm. uh, small soldiers, all of this kind of stuff. We need, where is that? We need to get kids, like, educated on, like, what good horror is. And we need to get, like, our, our, you know, horror masters back out there and get them, like, creating again. Like, where's the new Joe Dante film? You know, like, (laughs) that's what I want to see. And I want it with a big budget. I want him to, to I I need him to have like those puppets again. I, I, I want all the practical, you know, uh, along with like there was amazing, um, you know, VFX, like one of our friends who actually did all the VFX on our film bloody bridget kevin Kuchever, he's an amazing vfx artist and he actually did stuff on gremlins robocop beetlejuice <laughs> uh just like all kinds of crazy stuff and he worked on our film so like i want i want that you, you know like there's something special about like that old like 1980s 90s like uh glowing you know like yeah. the glowing lightning and just how things looked it's so special i want that back in like cinema again you know or like the burbs you know like oh, i love like, the burbs some, yeah let's get some weird horror comedies going
0: yeah we're lacking in all that especially like the early 90s like horror and dark thrillers and stuff like the way they looked is how yeah it might not necessarily be like a horror movie from the 90s it could be like a detective drama but they were so dark and like you know, it had that grainy look to him and stuff, man. It felt like a horror movie. I, I love that shit. Like, I constantly go back to the 90s. Like, every night I, I'm watching, like, Seinfeld and I'm watching the X-Files. Like, yeah, I'm taking yeah. myself back to the 90s. I need a break, you know?
1: Exactly. Well, I mean, I love 90s horror. Like, when you're talking about, like, great films, like, one of my favorite is uh 1992's Death Becomes Her to oh, me yeah that is like a perfect film from start to to finish practical effects driven uh wonderful vfx as well um wonderful hilarious chatty script you know like mm-hmm. every line is quotable uh <laughs> now a warning you know what i mean mm-hmm. like every line <laughs> Every line is quotable. The the direction, the acting, the editing, the score, mm-hmm. amazing. Uh, the Just everything so good. And then, like, to me, I mean, you know, obviously, like, Bruce Willis was, like, this raging action hunk hero. And then to have him play totally against type to be the doofus doctor, mm-hmm. Ernest. You know, and then having uh, Goldie Hawn and Meryl Streep, like, fight, duking it out and all the practical effects, uh, creative work. I I don't know. No, my, that's one a good of my one. favorite that's a
0: films. Yeah, that's, that's one of the really good 90s films. A lot of people say there wasn't a lot of good 90s horror, but I totally disagree with that. There's a lot of good 90s horror.
1: <laughs> you yeah, know. what like 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 uh what was it i think wolf came out in the 90s oh uh,
0: yeah wolf is one of my favorite Incredible. werewolf movies yeah jack right? nicholson has a fucking werewolf i mean how cool is that uh, like he looks like a kidding? wolf anyway so i just add a little bit of hair to him you know some fangs and that dude's a werewolf
1: <laughs> I know, babe alert.
0: <laughs> man, I, I I still watch that one every year. I, I, I tend to watch it during the winter, the winter season, because like a cold movie, because it takes place in the winter, snow everywhere and stuff. And
1: yes, man, that well, soundtrack,
0: oh, so good.
1: Yeah, I love Jack Nicholson's like horror, like his like, you know, horror films, and what with the the Witches of Eastwick as well. Mm-hmm. That's a great practical effects driven horror film that like people don't really think about but it, you know i i think it's great
0: yeah that is it's a good one so, really it's good. so
1: crazy like i recently rewatched it and i was like oh man
0: <laughs> that's a good halloween watch a, a good october watch i think
1: yeah yeah
0: I know some people do, like, 30 days of horror during October, and I'm like, well, I kind of do that all year, but I, I make I was gonna more I br- I was like, I yeah. feel like
1: every day is horror with me. Like, I'm always looking for a good horror film.
0: Yeah, I have people, you know, like, at work tell me, like, oh, so, uh, Halloween's coming up. I got to watch horror movies or something. Like, man, I watch horror movies, like, almost every single day. There's something horror-related in my life every day, at least, you know? <laughs> if I'm not reading something that deals with horror, like... Um yeah, something yeah, it's horror every day. That's that's Halloween like all year long in this house, so
1: Oh completely, yeah. I but mean there's yeah. so many classics. I mean, I, I don't know how you run out, you know. There's so there's there, there's so many sub genres of horror too, you know, like mm-hmm so much i feel like i've seen so much but then i also feel like whenever i talk to like fans and stuff and they're like naming stuff i'm like oh we'll add this to the list i'll get to it one day you know
0: (laughs) i have a a huge like a watch list on my uh internet movie database app that i keep on my phone that's like my bible so i keep that on there you know if anybody mentions any movie i'm like all right let me go add that on there and stuff or let me go rate something i don't forget about it but uh yeah, I have a list on there. There's like stuff from uh the nineties and eighties I'm still missing. Like there's so much shit out there, like really good stuff. Like it's hard to watch everything. And I tried, but
1: Oh, totally. Yeah, I mean, well like for both of us, it's our work to know these things too. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, like I, I feel like it's important to me as a creator to to be aware of these things and all, also like I'm a fan of the genre anyway so it's like just as a regular people person
2: (laughs) yeah that's
1: that's what rick and i do like you know we'll we'll find horror films or or horror shows or something like that you know and that's our favorite genre i mean he loves he loves um like ghosts like haunted house kind of ghost stories and uh, i like anything that's like really practical effects driven you know i i love monsters
0: same here yeah creatures. i'm a monster person yes yeah we yeah. need more monster movies that's that's another thing we're lacking there's not a lot of monster movies there's a lot of like uh oh, man. paranormal stuff a lot of zombies uh just i don't know but there's like i to me i think the last really good monster movie and there might be some more I'm missing here, but like this, like recalling right now, I'm going to say the best monster movie to come out for a long time is uh, The Relic. Did you see The Relic?
1: The Relic. I'm trying to think. I'm not sure. Uh, late
0: late 90s, I think, or mid 90s is when it came out.
1: I don't think I saw it, but now I got to put it on the list.
0: Yeah, it is so damn good. And, and to me, it's one of the last great, like true monster movies, you know, like besides like you know tremors and all i consider a monster movie as well but oh
2: yeah, yeah. i love
0: tremors and um but yeah like we don't we don't really get any monster movies i know the new godzilla came out but he's more i mean he is a monster yeah but it's like different you know what i mean like it's not like he's
1: like a huge he's not hiding in your closet Right. <laughs> like i'm seeing him coming
0: <laughs> yeah I, i'm a, i'm down <laughs> like for like a good
1: the bad. <laughs>
0: yeah I want a good practical monster movie. I'm I'm still waiting on the next good werewolf movie, which I haven't seen in years. Like the last good werewolf movie I saw that's recent, it's probably uh, there's I think it was a German movie called Howl, and um that oh. came out like 2010 maybe yeah it's called Howl and um that was really cool and it has like a different take on a the werewolf. They they look more like a uh, giant like uh, Neanderthal type creatures, but they're werewolves, but and it's brutal as hell like the kill scenes are really brutal a lot of practical effects were used there but uh okay. yeah
1: I, I don't think i've seen it i've got to put that on the list because i love practical i mean yeah i'm trying to think i i love like what's a recent i it, ginger snaps i love that one yeah, but that's I love not ginger super re- it's not no. super recent but like i thought that was killer
2: oh
0: yeah i like uh i think, all three films, the third one, not so much. The third one's okay. I think the third one's when you go back in like medieval times, maybe. <laughs> I don't it's think I've weird. seen that
1: one. I've just seen the first one. Right, the second one that, one's like, really I, good, too. Yeah, I haven't watched really. Because like, for me, i like a lady. and like, oh, this hits hard.
0: <laughs> right, I'm sure, yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so I haven't seen it in a while, but I remember loving it. I mean, also, okay, so... Like, I know that there's a lot of CGI and stuff, so it wasn't fully practical effects. But I did really love the uh, Benicio del Toro werewolf. I mean, I think, I I thought that they really tried. um, My only problem with it was that there was not a Chaney in sight. I thought that they could have totally thrown a bone to, like, Ron Mm -hmm. Chaney and gotten him in there. Because they had a, they had a... What do you call it? Um, A chaplain in there, a silent Mm -hmm. era, you know, distant uh, relative, you know, and I thought that they definitely missed the mark. With not having a Cheney in there, because they had like cameos, like they had Rick Baker in there as a cameo, and obviously Danny did a phenomenal score on 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 that. That's
0: so, right, he did. I forgot he did a score on that one. Yeah, yep. Yeah, <laughs> man, he's so done good. everything. Yeah, I
1: know what hasn't he done? Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, that
0: was a good movie. Like I, I, it I, I done good. that.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I thought that a like lo- like I don't know, like. <sighs> story-wise, I thought, like, it lost a little bit near the end. But I wanted to see more with uh, Benicio. I love Benicio del Toro, Same like, here. as a creator yeah. um, in general. Um, and so I kind of wanted to see more, like, a second one, you know, because I just thought that he just has so much pathos and, like, you know, like, emotion through his I, – I, I love – I love what he does with the character and everything. And I love the werewolf changing scene. I know a lot of that was CGI, but I just love how they shot it and how the editing and you know, it was really interesting.
0: My favorite part in that one was the uh, werewolf fight at the end with Anthony Hopkins and Denise. Oh, yeah. I'm like, Oh fuck yeah, because that one there was <laughs> I think most of that was practical if I'm not mistaken.
1: Totally. Yeah. Yeah, that yeah. looked
0: really good.
1: Yeah, like um, Baker. Yeah, Rick like Rick... insane.
0: Dude, he is the king of werewolves. Rick Baker is the man. Like, when it comes to werewolves or practical effects, he's he's king.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, John Landis is the American werewolf in London. Come on, it doesn't get better than that. Like, that's, like, that is the werewolf changing scene right there, you know? Yeah, that's still Nuts. my all-time Nuts. favorite
0: werewolf film, too, yeah.
1: Oh, of course, yeah. It was great, great uh, film. doesn't Baker- get better.
0: He also did a uh, a TV series in the late 80s which you can kind of you can find it now on eBay I uh, know eBay you can find it now on YouTube decent quality not good quality but decent it was called Werewolves you ever hmm. seen that
1: No I haven't
0: All right it's called Were I'm sorry it's called Werewolf not Werewolves but uh it's uh, Rick Baker did all the werewolf designs on this. I can't remember who uh, wrote or directed it and stuff, but it was originally on, like, uh Fox, so regular television growing up and stuff. And I would watch it with my dad, and then I told her, I thought it was, like, a fever dream or something. I didn't know it <laughs> really existed when I got older. But, yes, it did exist. I was right. Like, this thing did exist. and uh, And you can find it on YouTube. I think they did, I think, only one season, maybe two seasons before they canceled it. But some of the best werewolf designs, like... It looked fucking cool as shit. Like, highly recommend checking that out.
1: I've got, yeah, I've got to check it out. It's funny. He actually, Rick Baker, he lives like kind of, uh, like, not close to us, but like, I think Toluca Lake or something. I don't know. We went to he does like a halloween thing every year and so not last year but the year before we took our daughter and then like ended up like meeting a bunch of friends in the horror community because like we you know like we've got a bunch of like horror friends out here that Mm -hmm. do a lot of the like same stuff and so uh he has like a he does a show like with his family where he'll like create these like like makeups and costumes and 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 do a little set design and a lot of his like friends and that he works with um they'll like do a little show and so like we were waiting in line it's like a two-minute show so we get to see rick baker and like his family come out and their makeups and things like that and so that uh, was like kind of fun to share with my daughter
0: yeah that is way badass i'm sure he goes all right? out too like because he's fucking treatment? rick baker yeah, yeah trick-or-treating
1: at rick baker's house like it was nuts <laughs> yeah
0: that's insanity right there that's so cool and he's, like <laughs> handing
1: out candy and i'm like oh my god well because like i grew up in uh like a professional when i got out of like high school i did uh like uh, makeup effects and 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 i i worked at different like effects houses and stuff like that and so he was one of my like big inspirations along with like uh, Dick Smith and and you know all the greats and so it was just like weird to like go to his house and try <laughs> <to dream. laughs>
0: Yeah, that is totally odd. I'd be like, man, like, is this the real world? Like, am I dreaming? What is this? Like, it's so crazy
1: yeah yeah i mean they get like a big line and so they're like rushing you in and out and, like people are cutting line and you know like the people that just are there to trick or treat and they don't even have a clue what an icon they're going to see you know it's just another like cool halloween house but it's like for us the monster kids like we're just like totally going crazy oh I, you I know bet. like it's yeah. just such a fun time
0: yeah i'd be like starstruck i'll be like uh <laughs> i was like what am i doing here again <laughs> i'm like i know <laughs> it's
1: like it's like living a, a horror fantasy you know because like the makeups look so good and he's got the lights and he's got the costumes and he uh he does like the whole set i'll have to send you pictures it was a fun time
0: that's awesome i had my uh like fanboy experience recently i went to uh i think it was spooky empire down in florida it's a huge like horror convention like a three or four day horror convention and stuff and Elviro's down there this year robert england and all that stuff but um i'm not a big like autograph person or you know i don't do all that kind of stuff i'd rather have a good talk with you or something like that you know i don't want to be like standing in line waiting for your autograph and all that but if that's what you do that's cool but the, anyways like uh, it was like towards the end of the night me and my wife were walking around and we happen to end up in one of, like, the the areas where people are signing autographs, but everybody left. And we were just looking for merchandise. We weren't looking for, like, autographs or pictures or nothing like that. But um, as we're walking in there, I'm like, I told my wife, oh, shit, that's Bill Mosley. <laughs> like, I'm a huge oh, Bill Mosley fan. I was like, there yeah. was nobody at his table. He's, like, sitting there. I'm like, holy shit, that's fucking Bill Mosley. I was like, well, I know I told you I wasn't going to do this, but... uh. I think I need to get his autograph in a picture.
1: You got to <laughs> so, do it.
0: Yeah, I, I did it too, and it was so cool. Like, I'm like, um, he threw up the metal horns and stuff. I'm like, fuck yeah, man, because he actually likes heavy metal and all, too. So I thought that was pretty cool. But yeah, I got a, like awesome picture with him, and I had him sign a, uh, a really cool, um, artwork piece of Otis Firefly from House of Thousand Corpses and stuff. And, uh, yeah, that was, uh, kind of magical. It was really cool seeing him.
1: That's so cool. We just did, uh, like, because we haven't done like a lot of like conventions or anything, but we got what the people at Famous Monsters of Filmland they invited us to come out to like Philadelphia for their huge like 65th annual um, big event. Mm-hmm. And they had us, um, it was also like a film festival. And so they had us screen um bloody bridget and i got to um you know do like my performance and everything and i actually got to do it they asked for a second round so i i did it a a second show the following night but anyways like it's so interesting like because like we go to different conventions just like as like kind of like friends you know like to go visit like like there's uh monster palooza and stuff out here and we'll just go to visit friends who have booths and say hi to you know because like we know a bunch of people in the horror field mm. uh so it was interesting uh to be a signer there because they had us like uh, they gave us a table and stuff and it's like so interesting to have fans it's like you want fans to come up and like have like a little chat and if it's because like you never know if it's like the only time that they'll get to see you, you know, mm-hmm. in the whole life, you know what I mean? So like, I think it's sometimes it's daunting for fans to like come up and talk to, you know, their favorite people. But like, it was really nice for me because it's like, I got to to meet people that like maybe I'm friends with on Facebook and they've been like really great supporters or like they're huge fans of Rick and they get to meet him and like I can just see it in their eyes you know like like it's like the biggest thing for them and so I'm glad that you went up uh to um him and got his autograph and got to talk to him and everything you know
0: yeah and it's like like, a special
1: moment for you you know it, and it's nice for him line. too especially if like the the table's empty it's like you want people to come up and like you know or it's boring
0: right and I walk up to him and stuff I'm like yeah I was like holy shit I was like man I've talked to a lot of people I respect you know with the podcast and everything but I I was still nervous as fuck with Bill and I've even um spoke to him via email before and stuff and uh via like Twitter or Instagram he'll respond back to me every once in a while and I respond you know to his stuff but just like meeting him in person like oh man fucking chop top you know like holy shit
1: (laughs) so cool
0: yeah, I got. I actually, I need to frame that uh that sign Otis poster. I have a whole shit ton of stuff I need to be framed in in this house. But we got frames for it, but like framing, it's a whole ordeal. <laughs> you know, I got oh, so much yeah. shit I need to get up. I got so many cool posters. But yeah, that that's awesome. Y'all got to do that big giant heart convention. That's that's a good one there.
1: Yeah, it was so cool. Um, just because, like, the 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 group of signers, too, that were there, like, was really, like, you know, because, like, as a horror fan, I'm like, oh, God, the nuns over there, and, you know, uh, T- Tom Savini is, like, over here, and then, like, obviously, because, like, I'm a huge Lon Chaney senior, so Ron Chaney was there signing, and it was, like, totally out, out of body experience. Cause he came over and he's like a fan of like Rick and Danny and like, uh, and because I was performing, I got to invite him. And so he came to like one of my performances, uh, the bloody burlesque performance and saw, the, uh, bloody Bridget and stuff. And so that was like insane to me. Cause it's almost like I got to perform, for, like, the Cheney legacy, you know what I mean? yeah, that's huge. It was, like, totally insane, and, and, like, he's invited me, uh, me and Rick, to, like, come out and go look at, like, their archives and things, and so now I'm, like, I've got to, like, email him and, like, talk to him about that, and I got to see his film. He has, like, a wonderful, uh, kind of, it's almost like, uh, a little, a little scene of a bigger film that he wants to make. I think it's called, like, The I forget if it's Devil's Den. I forget what it's called, but I got to see it and see it with him. So he had a QA. and a So I got to go leave my table for a little bit. I left rick and and our uh talent agent to like man man the table and so i disappeared <laughs> for a little bit i felt so bad but it was like you know ron chaney uh yeah. doing A Q&A talking about you know his grandpa and his great grandpa you know so it's like i had to you know you don't go and then like miss that so i got to sneak in the back and listen to his q a which was so inspiring and wonderful and then like it, i'm totally fangirling but at the end he came over and he sat next to me and i got to watch his movie with him like isn't that amazing uh,
0: yeah that's like once in a lifetime awesome right there That like, way I was cool.
1: <laughs> i was shaking i was so excited and then to like have him watch my film and see me perform live like insane like ah, uh, like life goals you know what i mean
0: yeah, that's like the ultimate right there. I mean, I I couldn't imagine what you felt like. Holy shit, <laughs> you know?
1: Like like out of body experiences. It was such a wonderful time uh, there. I mean, just in general, it was nice, and I love traveling with Rick, and and they treated us so well uh, there and taking care of us, and and we had like the best um, lighting and sound and projection crew there. They they had the best crew um actually one of my favorite performances uh and I got to kill my talent agent uh, Brian <laughs> uh and he was the best victim and and such a trooper you know because like i have to push him down and and straddle him and rip his heart out and he gets all bloody but it was like the best performances and i'm so glad that ron got to see those performances because they were great
2: (laughs) you know like as a
1: as a performer it's like you know when you did a good job and it's like i knew i hit those two out in philadelphia for famous monsters i knew i hit those ones out of the park so it, it felt extra good
0: yeah. Like the after, after effect after like having like yeah. a good show or whatever, like you feel like a million bucks. It's like, Oh, I'm on cloud nine, you know? <laughs>
1: yeah. You know, as a performer yourself with your rock band, like, you know, you know, when you, you know, when the audience digs it and when you hit those notes and you hit, you know, everything and it just feels good. you just high afterwards, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a hell of a high. That's for sure. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Like, that's it, like yeah.
1: one of my favorites for like, um, you know performing performing live it's like getting you know when you nail it you feel the Mm -hmm. audience in your hands and you're like yes they get it
0: drives you to do more to like and perform harder it's like you know it's a a hell of a like uh uh, inspiration
1: yeah it's a it's a good high that you're like chasing you know
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. oh yeah i know that feeling (laughs) that's awesome well, Anastasia, is there uh, anything else you want to like mention that you're working on now that's coming out soon or anything like that you want to like throw out there?
1: Oh, thanks. Yeah. I mean, I've got a couple projects that I'm working with with Rick. I uh, I want to focus a little bit on directing and acting in my own things and getting those into the festival circuit. So like Rick and I are working on a couple scripts uh, for like, fun surprise projects which I can't wait to share. So I'm working on that. And um what else? What else can I plug? I mean, obviously Bloody Bridges out there doing festival run. Um and we've got uh we've got a fun live show coming up in February, February 10th at the Frida Cinema in like Anaheim, I think. So it's a kind of a local show for LA locals where we're doing a double feature of uh, Ricky's Aliens, Clowns, and Geeks and Forbidden Zone. And then we're going to, Rick and I are going to do a live uh, Elfman, live pre-show. So I'm going to do some crazy bloody burlesque and he's going to have a band and stuff. So it's like a really unique, wild event for fans. And I feel like nobody else are is doing these kind of things, you know, where you get to watch the film with the director. He gets up, he does his, like, he kind of does his like little scene too. in for Ben zone, um, oh, so cool. I love for Ben
0: zone, by the way. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's great. Uh, timeless, yeah. mm-hmm. timeless. And so, so yeah, those are fun events that people should keep a lookout for. And then I've got a movie, called uh, End Zone 2 with my friends uh, Sophia and Michael Epstein uh, that's doing a crowdfunding for a physical release um, that's kind of like a found, like, 1970s slasher film that we did a couple years ago, like, right before the pandemic. We filmed it in, like, Harrowhead, and uh, so it's been making the splash on the um like film festival circuit so that's about to be released which is so exciting because we worked really hard on that and i don't know ricky's got like he's got a book coming out and i'm gonna be doing a voice for the um we're doing uh what do you call it an audio book so i'm gonna Mm -hmm. be doing a voice on that which is exciting because i love doing voiceover stuff (laughs) because you know (laughs) and yeah i don't know follow us on on instagram and facebook because we're always up to something goofy
0: yeah i highly recommend <laughs> giving them a follow and stuff uh very entertaining and always got some really cool stuff going on that's for sure and uh yeah the, uh, everything y'all have coming up sounds cool as hell especially the forbidden zone stuff like your voiceover stuff like lot of cool stuff and i will be supporting all that stuff
1: <laughs> yeah yeah thank you yeah you're such you're the biggest supporter and your stuff sounds like so cool you gotta send me the music so i can check it out
0: yeah definitely i I send that over today while it's like fresh in my head and stuff and uh, that way you can check it out see what you think of it
1: perfect oh yeah and before like the my husband's book it's called the uh oh my god So Mazel of Subram and so it's a Jewish vampire story and I'm going to be doing one of the main characters and Ricky's going to do be doing a a voice too and I can't really say anybody else but we've got some fun crazy people from like in the horror universe that'll be doing some voices so that's going to be exciting.
0: That is awesome. I remember when I was talking with uh, Richard on our episode, like I had to when I when I was getting this episode ready to edit and all that stuff, like saying the title of that book was killing me. I'm like, I had to like edit that shit like four different times. Oh like, my God, it. it's, I was like, damn it, damn it. It's the worst.
1: I probably screwed yeah. it up, too. Right,
0: yeah, I don't know. It, it sounds right to me. It's got to be better than what I said. I don't remember what I said, but, you know, I did my best.
1: <laughs> and that's all that's all you can do. Yeah. Well, Anastasia, yeah,
0: this has been, uh, really awesome talking with you. Like we got to do this again. Like, yeah. Cause I can probably go like 20 hours talking horror movies. So.
1: Oh, please do. Yeah. I know. We didn't even get to go into like all the different like favorite horror films and the new ones and everything. Yeah. Just, I'm a phone call away. I love chatting horror. So, and I had the best time and thank you for giving me this platform to share, uh, you know, indie horror stuff, too, because like I said, like, Ricky and I self-finance. We don't have a distributor. We're doing this. We're doing everything on our own, so, like, fans, if you love this, like, if you love Ricky's work, please share, and and thanks for all your kind support, and, you know, it means a lot to be able to come out, to come on a podcast and get to, like, fangirl out and talk about my my inspirations and my favorite horror films, because, like, that's who I am I mean I am the creator and the person I am because of horror films and you know the monster kid I am now <laughs>
0: <laughs> no this has been great this has been a really fun podcast and yeah like yeah full support for me and I keep supporting y'all and stuff and when this podcast drops in about a week from today I'll have this one out and everything I'll be like sharing the hell out of it and stuff and doing my normal thing I take my skills I learned during doing music stuff with promotion and everything and I kind of turn it on with the horror stuff so it works out pretty good you know
1: <laughs> yes perfect thank you yeah. so much this was so much fun and I can't wait to listen to your music
0: excellent I will send that to you today and um, I hope you have a great rest of your weekend we'll talk again soon
1: yes okay thank you so much have a good one you too bye, bye.